0: Good morning, how's everybody doing today? You may be seated. Say what's up to somebody near you. That's a preacher's trick for buying time to get to his page in the Bible. (laughs) Good morning, good morning. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Hope everybody had an amazing time with friends and family. I'll tell you what I did. Um, Now now that uh, Sarah and I have kids, man, Christmas has taken on a whole new dynamic. And it's the dynamic of crazy. That's, that's, that's pretty much it. It's just nonstop from like 6.30 in the morning till whenever they pass out, pretty much. I think we went to four different houses, had four different places to open presents, and Noah's reaction was not dulled at a single one. And my daughter learned her first word. It's, wow. <laughs> she does this thing where she gasps her breath. She goes, Wow, because she heard it so many times on Christmas, because every single place we went, all the adults watching the kids open presents were like, wow, so now she says it, and it's pretty, pretty hysterical, but uh, <laughs> um, Pastor Carl and uh, Pastor Tracy and their family are out of town today on a well-deserved respite, um, and I'm praying that they uh, get some rest and are able to turn off and enjoy their family today, they deserve it, Amen. Um, But again, my name's Corey. I'm the Director of Worship here, and uh, so happy you're here with us today. Um, I have a word this morning um, that I hope is going to encourage you as you go into 2019. Uh, I don't know what your 2018 was like. Maybe it was your best year ever. Maybe it was a little tough. Maybe it was kind of in between. You just kept doing the same thing you were doing in 2017. But I hope that 2019 is better than 2018 for you, and I'm praying that as you go into 2019 that we are Full of expectation for what God's going to do. Amen? Amen. Before we get into the scripture, um, let's pray this morning. Father, I just thank you for Revival Life Church. I thank you for this house. I thank you for the people who are here this morning. I thank you for this time of worship and, and what you're doing in the new year. And I just pray um, that as, as, as I speak today and as, as we gather here today, that you would minister to hearts. That you would do that thing that only you can do in life, God. That you would, you would, you would take dry bones and awaken them. That you would, you would take hopeless areas and infuse them with hope. Father, that you would pl- take places of fear and, and pour out and activate faith. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. So we're going through our Miracles of Christmas message series, and though Christmas was last week, we're wrapping up the message series this week, because how many of you know that when Jesus was born, his life didn't stop? So so the the miracle birth of Jesus actually continues after Jesus was born, and I want to talk about that today. I'm not necessarily going to get into the life and the miracles that he did per se, but there's some things that happened after the birth of Jesus that I think are pretty significant. And if you have your Bible, uh, I'm going to ask that you open up to Luke chapter 2, verse 39. We're going to start there. So like I said, this is immediately following the birth of Jesus, and Mary and Joseph had some things to do after Jesus was born. There was some Jewish customs, some laws they had to follow, and starting in verse 39, we see that they had just finished performing these laws, and we're going to read several scriptures until verse 52. When you're there, say, amen. I was trying to think of something clever. I almost said banana, but I didn't. You guys there? <laughs> banana All right, here we go. Luke chapter 2 verse 39. When they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city of Nazareth. The child continued to grow and become strong, increasing in wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Verse 41. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when they had become when he had become 12, They went up there according to the custom of the feast. And as they were returning, after spending the full number of days, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents were unaware of it, but supposed him to be in the caravan, and went a day's journey, and they began looking for him among their relatives and acquaintances. Verse 45. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. Then after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said, Son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And he said to them, Why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand the statement, statements which he made to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth. And he continued in subjection to them. And his mo- mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Can somebody say amen to the reading of the word? Amen. amen. All right. So just following the birth of Jesus, and we see with well, they cover several years very, very quickly. They went from dedicating him at birth and performing all the laws to he's tw- now 12 years old, right? And... That little passage of scripture, we don't get much from the life of Jesus from when he's born to when he's 30 years old and John the Baptist baptized him. But we do get some stuff. So those some stuff may be pretty important, right? Like the the, the stuff we get from that passage might be significant. And today I want to talk to you about, this is really bothering me. Today I want to talk to you about... (laughs) treasuring the promise of God going into 2019 and how we can stir up faith for those things that we have yet to see God speak into our life. Amen. If you're here today and you're a blood-bought believer, you've been converted by the resurrected Jesus Christ and you are following him, then I assure you that you have promises in your life that you've yet to see come to pass. Uh a call of God, something he has spoken to you, something that, 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 that maybe he said years ago that you're hoping for, and you just haven't seen the reality of it. We all have those things that God has said to us, and we're just like, what, what, what's happening with this thing? What, what, what's going on in this area? And, and oftentimes, w- w- what we see happen is when, we f- when God first gives us a promise, when he first speaks something into our life, when, when God gives us, gives us a, a call or, or something something to hope for where he says hey see this thing over here one day it won't be like this you know maybe maybe you were in a place of poverty and he said one day one day you're gonna be a, a, a place of blessing for many one day this this struggling business is gonna employ many families one day I know right now you're just greeting at the front door but I've called you to preach to the nations See, God, God speaks these wild and crazy promises over our lives because he's a wild and crazy God. He's a big God with big plans and big dreams. And what happens is when we receive these promises, oftentimes we, we receive them with great zeal and expectation and hope. And we get excited about them because they give us purpose. They give us identity. They give us, they give us a, a reason to wake up in the morning. It's like, man, God said I'm going to do this. Wow, that's amazing. And what can happen is over time, when we don't see it happening, we can kind of lose faith in those things, right? And, 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 and what was once with, met with like, great expectation and great faith can be kind of a place of, of hurt, can be a, become a place of pain. What once was our place of identity and, 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 and greatest faith can become a place of like, I don't even want to think about that thing that God told me. And when, when God gives us a promise, he often doesn't give us the timing. He, he speaks something to us, and then what happens is we assign the timing. He'll speak something to us, and oftentimes we'll say, oh, Wow, we're going to do that? Well, I know how it's going to happen. It's going to work out just like this. And we start to create a timeline in our our head, in our heart, and and a timeline that he never gave us. And and what happens is our expectation and our hope is now in that timeline rather than what God said. And we now start to, to actually believe the story we've created around the promise rather than the promise itself. Does that make sense? Hebrews chapter 11 says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. You see, the problem, the problem, when we, when we get a promise, and the, the problem is that, that, that w- w- we, when we start to doubt it because we don't see it, it's actually evidence that we never had faith in the first place, because faith is the conviction of the unseen, So when there's actually faith active in a situation, the thing that you're not seeing, well, that's okay because faith will grow when that thing is unseen because that's what faith is in and of itself. It is the conviction of the unseen. You see, when you don't see the promise active in your life and you have faith, faith is unmoved. When you have faith, go ahead. When when, one claps, we all clap, right? Come on. Faith is unmoved in the things unseen. See, if we are moved because we're not seeing it happen, that means all we have is hope. That, that means all we, all we have is like, I'm really believing this, God, because our beliefs can change. Hope can be moved, but when I have faith, I'm standing on that word that God said, and when I don't see it, I don't care because faith is the conviction of the unseen. The assurance of things hoped for. If your hope is affected by the unseen, you don't have the assurance of faith because faith gets behind hope and says, "Uh uh-uh, you ain't going to be moved. See, I want to stir something up in you today going into 2019. I want to stir up faith for the promise of God in your life because I know that I know that I know 2019 has amazing things for this church and the people in it. Who was here Friday night? It wasn't a ton of people, so I I believe the... the (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was just a handful of us, but Friday Friday night was, was awesome, and it, Friday nights have been very, very good. Uh, Friday nights, we get together, and we pray, and we welcome Jesus, and we minister to the Lord, and um, Holy Spirit shows up, and oftentimes in a significant way, and uh, I just believe that as we worship and minister to God, we're, we're marking our city, we're marking our church, we're, we're marking our generation, we're marking our families, and... um. Friday night, there was just, we, we, we prayed for the nations. There's just this expectation that God's going to do something in 2019. Amen? Yeah. You guys with me? I just, I just believe God's doing, doing something and it's good. So, as we go into 2019, and right now, before I even get to my first point, um, and maybe as I've, I've, as I've been talking, you've already done this, but I want you to take that thing. That, that, that thing that God has spoke into your life, that thing that maybe in, you once had great hope and faith for that you no longer do. And I want you to look at it. I want you to think about it. And I want you to believe that over these next 30 minutes as I talk, that God's going to stir up faith for that thing. Amen? Amen. Amen. Yeah. Let's take a step back and look at Luke 2.39 again. In Luke 2:39, it says, when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own city of Nazareth. Verse 40, the child continued to grow and become strong, increasing in wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. If you're taking notes today, I want you to write this down. Number one, do what you know. Do what you know works. Do what you know to be true. You see, Mary and Joseph had this amazing promise about Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, was their son, born of a virgin. They didn't have to reinvent the wheel. What did the Bible say they did? In verse 39, they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord. They had performed everything that was custom to the Jewish law. Right? They they went to the temple. They dedicated Jesus. He was circumcised. There was a bunch of stuff they had to do. They had to sacrifice, like, doves and birds and pigeons and stuff. Something, if you look back, you'll see it. There was, like, there's Jewish custom they had to do, and they did it all they did it all perfectly they weren't trying to figure everything out again you know it's it's so easy when like 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 when you get a call from God to think like I am above doing all the basic stuff because God told me I'm going to preach to the nations or God said one day my business is going to employ thou whatever it might be whatever that thing you're holding on to but let me tell you here Mary and Joseph had a reason to be prideful she carried the messiah like, here she is carrying the Savior of the world. Oh, like, I, I'm, I, I probably don't have He probably doesn't even need to be circumcised. He's God. Like, like, like it, 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 I, I was a virgin, and he just appeared. Like, do we even have to do this stuff? Do we have to? I mean, this is kind of, right, Lord? Like, the angel visited, and do you remember all this? Like, no, they didn't do that. They followed the law to a T. And I want to tell you today, hey, that, 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 the basics are important. The simple stuff. Is important. The foundational things are important. They're important. If if you feel called to the nations, I'm t- I'm telling you, hold the door, hold the baby, be an usher, clean a toilet. It's it's not in vain. It's not in vain because you, you know what you know what happens when when we do the basics well. The Bible says that He exalts the humble. That He exalts the humble. You know, the promises are conditional. They're conditional. Sitting, sitting, a, or sitting around and waiting for God to do what he said and you doing nothing is not responding in faith. In fact, the Bible says that faith without works is actually dead. Like, having faith means doing something. Having faith means doing something. Look at your neighbor say, having faith means doing something. <laughs> and a good something to do is just starting with the simple things. Start with the simple. Don't get discouraged where you're at. This is, this is how the enemy tries to rob us of the promise of God. This is how the enemy tries to rob us of what he said. He wants to discourage us where we're at. But if you just, if you just look to Jesus and you trust him and you say, Lord, I know what you've spoken. I, have no, I know what you said and I will not settle for less. And you, and you do what is in front of you with all your heart to the best of your ability. You embrace the season God has you and you embrace the people he has you in it with. Stop trying to fight the process that God has you going through. Stop trying to fight the process. If you don't go through the process, when you get there, it will have no value anyway. One, one. That's good. That's good. I am, I, um, I like watching YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I watch it more than t- cable TV or stuff like that. I, I, we don't, do we even watch cable anymore? Man, we started a new show on Hulu? Never mind. Okay, so I like, I like watching YouTube, um, and I have this, this, this guy I follow. He's a photographer on YouTube, and he released this documentary this week that I thought was awesome. I thought it was awesome, and it was called The Bucket Shot. It was, it was called The Bucket Shot, and it was about this, this one picture that he wanted to take since he started photography, and, 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 and this particular individual, he's a landscape photographer, so that means he likes doing, you know, sunrise and mountains and stuff like that right so um and it's called the bucket shot and he had this this one particular image that he he he, um had wanted to take since he had started his career in photography and the problem with this particular image is there's like a one or two week window where it's actually possible to take the picture he wanted to take because it was a, a, a lake surrounded by mountains and the picture he wanted to take was of the mountains covered in snow, but the lake not frozen yet. And there's a very small window where it's actually possible. And, and, and life gets kind of busy sometimes, right? And you have kids. And just, it's just hard to, like, fly across the country and make things like that happen when you have such a tight window to do it. But this, this documentary called The Bucket Shot was about that actually happening. And the, and, and the journey he went through and the sacrifices that he had to make and how everything just had to come together just right and, and work out. And, and so there was this, 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 this friend who texted him randomly saying, hey, snow is here. The lake's not frozen. You have like a two-day window before the, the snow is going to melt it was like, like even shorter than he thought. And he booked a plane a ticket and flew over there and got there. And it was covered in fog. And, and there was all these challenges in the short documentary that he had to overcome. But right before he had to leave, the, on, the, on the last uh, evening of his trip, the fog cleared, the mountain showed, he took the image, and he got it. He got the shot. And every time he looks at that picture hanging on his wall, that picture will have significant value because of the lengths he had to go yeah. to to yeah. take it. Yeah. 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 It will have significant value because of everything he had to go through just to capture that one image. 12 years, planning, everything had to come together just right, had to get the right connections, meet the right people. It just, it, it, even when he was there at the perfect timing, there was that one unknown factor, the fog that he wasn't expecting. But what happened, it lifted and he took his image. And we we want our promise. We want our promise to be like a microwave where we pop it in and turn it on for two minutes and pop it out and I get exactly what I was expecting. But you don't care about microwaved food. Nobody cares about microwaved food. And sometimes in the process, what God is actually trying to teach us to do is to value the thing he said above everything else. And when we grow impatient and when we get weary and when we lose hope and when we let the the worries of the world consume the thing that God actually said, it's because we haven't valued it above everything else. And if that's you today, I want to let you know, just start with doing what's in front of you. Start with the basics. Start with something simple. Start with a morning devotion. Start with worshiping again in your car. You may feel like you're so far from what God has actually spoken. You may feel like there's confusion behind it. You may feel like, man, I I know I have a promise, but there has been so many prophetic words, and there's been so much cloudiness that's come Between what God actually said and what I'm hearing, it's hard for me to remember what I'm actually supposed to hold on to. It's okay. That's okay. Go and lay all that at the altar and let God sort it out. But you do not forget that you have a promise. You do not walk as if you're one without a call, without a purpose, without a destination because he has called you. You do have a purpose. You do have a destination. And he is in the middle of it whether you see him working or not. Because even in the midst of your faithlessness, God is still faithful. That's what my Bible says. That even when we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. Amen? If you're taking notes today, I want you to write this down. Number two, try something new. Number one, do what work. Number two, try something new. Let's look back to our scripture again in Luke 2. 46 through 47. It says, Then after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. Verse 47 And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Could you imagine being a day's trip from the city and you're like, Where is my kid? (laughs) you're you're like asking all your friends like hey have you seen jesus that boy has gone missing and and he's kind of important he's the messiah and we can't lose him we can't lose the messiah we got to watch him like that's like we got like one job that's like it like we got we got to keep him alive anybody's seen this kid he's got to be somewhere he's got to be somewhere right he's he's some that that boy and then he and then what he says to them did you not know i'd be in my father's house and like you don't even know what to say. You're raising the Messiah, and you're like, golly, this is not easy. I mean, I, got, I have a three-year-old, right? It's not easy. As a parent, when your kid runs away, and you're trying to get them to, like, just go with you, it's frustrating. Yes. It's frustrating. My boy will take, take off out the front door, around the corner, down the main street, go down another cul-de-sac. The last time he did it, it took me, like, ten minutes to catch him. I've never seen little feet move so fast. <laughs> I've never seen little feet move so fast. But here in this, in, this, in this story in Luke, Jesus did something new. He did something unexpected. He did something that didn't make sense. <laughs> I love you guys. I'm take some coffee here. That's, that's good. Good job, Denise. Thank you for coffee. Thank you for coffee, Denise. We appreciate you. <laughs> he did something unexpected. It, it, it didn't make sense, not even to his parents. The Bible says his parents didn't understand what they said, what he said to them. They didn't understand what was happening. All they knew is that this boy's got a got a call and a promise. And we can't squash it just just because he caused me anxiety. <laughs> That's the biggest challenge with being a parent. Is trying to control your kids and not squashing the gift inside of them because the gift is the most annoying thing, the thing that God like actually wants to use is the thing you you have to mold the best and you can't squash it, and they're here and they're like we don't want like 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 he's 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 in there and 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 it says that all who heard him in the temple were amazed at his answers, like what was happening here probably has never happened before, is my guess right like. Probably had never happened before, a 12-year-old boy, teaching with the teachers, talking to them, like having real conversations about thousands of years of Judaism. Like, who are you? But he did something that had never been done before. And I want to encourage you this morning to do something new in the new year. Do something that is out of your comfort zone. Do something you have never done before. Do something different. If what you're doing isn't working, do something different. I find when you spend some time with Jesus and you get in his presence, he's very quick to give you something to do that's a little out of your comfort zone. He is not scared to challenge you to do something new. He is really not afraid to to push you to your limit. He's really not. Um... Amen. Amen. I've gone on several mission trips now with our church, and uh, four or five. Um, and it's 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 a time that I really I really value, and I try to take every opportunity I can when we do have mission trips because it's 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 very much out of my comfort zone. Um, I I like my family. I love my wife and kids. I like my house. I like my job. I like my church. I like leading worship. I, I enjoy these things very, I like, I like my life, I really do. So going to another country for an extended period of time, is. I consider that like inconvenient. <laughs> and it costs money and it's just like, but I do it because it's out of my comfort zone. I do it because it pushes me outside of my normal a little bit. And, and when, we're, when we get in our normal just too much, we can get stuck, our faith can get stuck. You know, our walk with God can start to feel a little mundane. And and the, 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 the normal, while I love it, sometimes isn't the answer to our breakthrough. Yeah. 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 Come on. Sometimes the normal just isn't the answer to our breakthrough. And we have to do something a little bit different to step outside of what's normal, outside of what's comfortable, to stir up the promise of God in us, to stir up faith in us for the promise. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, when, when we go on these missions trips, um, I'm, I'm always reminded of a couple things. One, that God really loves hurting people. He really loves the lost. He really loves hurting people. And he cares far more about reaching people who do not know him than us having a perfect church service or nice clothing on or, or any of those things but I'm also reminded that the, the promise that he's given me the promise that He has given you actually has nothing to do with us it actually has nothing to do with us and sometimes to stir up faith for what he said we just have to get out of our own way yeah. you know the promise the promise is for, for, for two it's for the people you're called to reach and for God's glory it's for the people you're called to reach and for God, God's glory actually has nothing to do with us. And as, as new believers, when God speaks something, we can make it so much about us. Pastor said it a few weeks ago. We, it, it's so easy for us to take these things that God has said and put them on a shelf like a decoration. Like, like, an, like an ornament on a tree. Like, look at how awesome this thing is that God said to me. But as you get more mature in God, suddenly those things that you just have hanging on your wall, those promises that you just have written in your journal, you start to, like, get a little frustrated with it because you know it's not supposed to stay there. You know it's not supposed to stay there. And that's when you have to put your big boy pants on, your big girl pants on, and recognize this thing is actually not about me. My promise is to see another person's promise come to pass. Like that is actually the promise of God. For you to put another's promise on your shoulders and say, I am not okay seeing them in lack. You know that's the call. That's the call to to, to see a family in poverty and say, this is not God's promise for your life. This is not okay To to see orphans and say, no, this is not okay. To see orphans in in, in, in in South Florida, Boca Raton, West Palm Beach, whatever the call is. But when you see a, a situation where clearly God's best is not at work, your promise is to see their promise come to pass. And when you put that on your shoulders, and when you get that in your heart, and we make that important, suddenly you'll start walking in the thing that God has called you to do. Because suddenly it's not about you anymore. You want to see your business grow, business owners? Make employing other people your priority get it in your heart to 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 want to pay another's bills by giving them honest work to do look to look, look to make another's needs your own needs and then watch the faithfulness of god the power of god come and invade the situation to make it happen It'll happen. we got to stir up faith for the promise. We have to stir up faith for the promise. I'm tell- faith will do things that you cannot do on your own. Do you know there's a, there's a difference? Like faith is different than just believing or hoping. Like, faith has substance. Faith is a gift that God wants to give to us so that we can see his kingdom come on the earth as it is in heaven. If there's one gift I had to choose to walk in, it'd be the gift of faith. Because a gift of faith creates an atmosphere that every other gift can be active in. The prophetic, the gift of miracle, all all of it. It the, The gift of faith makes the impossible seem perfectly logical. The gift of faith is what grabs that promise out of the spirit realm and yanks it into the natural realm because it refuses to bow down what? to the principalities of the earth. Refuses. <laughs> I, I, I keep drinking because my ho- throat was horse from Friday night. I'm sorry. The, we need to get the gift of faith active on the inside of us. You see, in our house, I believe that God wants to raise up people that are desperate for another's promise. That are desperate to see revival come and touch Boca Raton. That are desperate to the point where you will not rest until you see what he said happen. If you're taking notes today, I want you to write this down. Sorry, take that back. Not yet. Uh, maybe you've heard it said that God will not give you more than you can handle. I don't know who came up with that. That's a lie straight from the pit of hell. It ain't, it ain't in my book. I don't know what book you're reading, but it ain't in my book. Man, God will give you so much more than you can handle because he doesn't want you to handle it alone. He actually wants you to need him. Come on, one clap, so we all clap. He actually wants you to need him. Somebody say desperation. Desperate. A desperate man will do things a comfortable man never would, including get on his knees at 2 in the morning and cry out to Jesus to see him come and do things that he can never do on his own. See, what happens is, is when we get to a place we, where we are desperate to see the promise of God, it causes us to do stuff and shake things and move mountains and cry out to Jesus. And we get unrelenting faith that just wants to shake, sh- shake whatever it is that's holding back the promise. And our desperation causes God to come and meet us. And in that desperation and in that meeting and in that encounter, there's an activation of faith. See, our desperation will create an activation. And our activation will lead to a habitation where we live in the promise of God. If you're taking notes today, I want you to write this down Desperation. I am not okay with less than what God said desperation. I am not okay with less than what God said. It's when you, when you get so hung up on the word of God that anything short of it, 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 there's just no place for it. You can't allow it. No place in your life, no place in your family. No, I know what God said and I am not seeing it. I need to get desperate for it. Number two, activation. When faith comes and empowers you to bring change. When that, that, that faith on the inside of you gets activated, it actually gives you the ability to bring what's in the spirit into the natural to see God's promises come to pass. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how he does it. I don't know yeah. how it happens. I don't know how. But I, I, have, I can tell you in my life in 2018, I have seen, I've seen it. I've seen it. I saw it when we bought our house this year. There was a moment where I was crying out to Jesus where the gift of faith touched my life. And I knew, I knew, I knew in that moment that our house was coming where he touched me and something happened and he activated it on the inside of me. He met me in my desperation and, and, and we were in a situation that we had to get out of and I knew in that moment, it was one moment, I can tell you the day, the time, who was with me, what was happening. Where, where he, he encountered me in a moment and the gift of faith was activated on in the inside of me and there was not a doubt in my mind that our house was coming. Three months later, we bought a house. We weren't even looking at the time. Didn't know what God was going to do. Didn't even know I could afford a house at the time. Thought it to be impossible. But I knew, I knew what he said to me. I knew what he said to me. Third one, habitation. Living in the reality of the word that was spoken. Desperation leads to activation, leads to habitation. Habitation. You're like, Corey, that's a lot of tations. Well, it helps you remember. It helps me at (laughs) least. You guys having fun? I'm having a good time this morning. Coffee. It takes more effort to live in doubt, doubt than it does to live in faith. You have the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ living on the inside of you actually takes more effort to live a life of doubt than a life of faith. It is far easier to cooperate with the word of God than to fight it. It really is. (laughs) It really, really is. We, 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 We think, see what happens is we learn, we pick up on some bad habits and we learn to say things like in our head, like I'm okay if what God said never happens, like, I, I'm okay, like, this will, I like this over here, it's still good, it's still good, like, my life won't be bad if that doesn't ever happen, or did God really say that, like, did, maybe I didn't hear him right, maybe all the confirmations weren't correct, maybe, we start to live this life of, of just doubting what he said, we start to live this life where it's suddenly okay to not be completely 1,000% bought in to God's promise. Yeah. And I just want to encourage you in 2019, don't have another option. Yeah. Don't have a plan B. Don't have an uh, uh, escape route where it's like, well, if God doesn't come through, I'll be okay. I got this over here. God's not interested in your side plans. Yeah. Come on. Good. Come on. Come on. He's really not. <laughs> and as long as we have him, it's going to be uh, have have those those other plans those Plan Bs as long as we have those things it's going to be tough to actually stir up faith for the promise because you never get desperate yeah. Yeah. you never get desperate you never get hungry enough to actually see God meet you and activate the gift of faith on the inside of you so you can see His promises come to pass in your life. Yeah. Number three, for taking notes, treasure the promise. So we, look, we see in the, in the life of Mary when she received the, the promise that she was going to birth the Messiah. That immediately after she went to her cousin's Elizabeth's house. And she, the Bible says that when she walked in, John the Baptist kicked in Elizabeth's belly. Yeah. And she began to praise God. And then we see after Jesus was dedicated in the temple, that he was prophesied over by two different individuals, prophesied over that that he was who the angel told her she was, he was. And there's these confirmations after confirmations. Then after several verses later, we see like we were just talking about Jesus in the temple with the teachers and we look in verse 51 this is right after they came to get him out of the temple, it says, and he went down with them and came to Nazareth, and he continued in subjection to them, and his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So we have this long passage after the birth, several, several confirmations of that he was who she thought he was. And we end this passage, and it says he treasured all these things. She treasured all these things in her heart. Mary treasured every single one of these things that confirmed the promise of God in her heart, that he was exactly who she thought he was. That so much of it didn't make sense. So many of the dots didn't completely connect, but she didn't have to have full understanding. All she needed to do was have faith in what God was showing her. She didn't, need, she didn't need to see the complete picture and how everything was going to work out. For all we know, it, she came to get him at the temple at 12. Maybe she thought that, that, that was it. It was going to start. His ministry was going to start. And he was going to do what the, what the Father had called him to do. There's no way she could have known that it was going to be another 18 years before his ministry would have started. She treasured these things in her heart. She treasured the promise of God in her heart above all else. See, when God confirms the word, we need to go and we need to write it down. We need to go write it down. We need to meditate on it. We need to meditate on what he said. And we need to treasure those things in our heart. We need to value those words above every other word. Because if he said it, he will do it. He just needs our cooperation for it. In 2019, church, we need to treasure the promise of God in our life. We need to treasure what he said above all else. We need to believe if he said it, it is alive and well, it is not dead, and we might feel like it's dead, but we just need to go and find it. We need to go find a sign of life. We need to go find, we just need to breathe on it and just go to him and say, Father, I know I have not been faithful with this thing you have spoken to me, but I repent and I'm coming back to you and saying, I know it was you and I believe it and I want you to breathe on it again because I am not okay until I see what you have said happen in my life. Amen. Amen? Amen. I want to leave you with this today. Just a few thoughts. You see, when you treasure God's promises in your life, it, it looks like something. When you treasure God's promises in your life, it looks like something. First thing is you live with an unwavering expectation of his goodness in your life. You live with an unwavering expectation of his goodness in your life. Every single day you wake up expecting, I'm going to see God's goodness in my life today. Not just for the big thing, not just for the big call, not just for that that thing that he has spoken to me, that call the nations. But every single day at your job, in your family, in your parenting, in your relationships, you're living with an expectation of his goodness. Next one, you refuse to settle for less than what God has said. When you treasure the promise, you refuse to settle for less than what God has said. His word is valued above all else. Yeah. Next one, you encourage others to be hopeful about what God has told them. Yeah. So you actually walk in, when they when faith is active on the inside of you, you actually walk around stirring up faith inside of others. Just your very presence stirs up the promise of God. Just like when Mary walked in and the promise of John kicked on the inside of Elizabeth because Mary was so filled with faith and expectation at the time that the promise inside of her cousin began to kick and come alive. Next one. You value faithfulness above performance. See, faith does not mean willing it into existence. That is not faith. (laughs) Faith is a a supernatural gift of God. Faith is something that happens that I can't quite explain or fully understand. But you know what the most logical response to faith is? Faithfulness. When you have faith in what he said, you'll be faithful what he's given you to do. Because you fully believe it you fully believe it and you value faithfulness above performance. Seeing seeing life's changed and Jesus glorified becomes the most important thing in your life. When you treasure the promise above all else, seeing life's changed and Jesus glorified becomes the most important thing in your life. You live for his glory. You live to impact the world around you. You live to see the lost saved, the sick healed, and the orphan come into family. Going on to the next one, Lillian? Really? Is there a next one? Nope. nope. Okay. There's not a next one. I want to cur- encourage you today. To go into 2019 expecting to see God's promises come to pass in your life. Mike, would you come up? This year could be the year of fulfilled promises. Friday night as we were singing, we got a prophetic song. And the song said that there's a wave coming. There's a wave of his presence coming. There's a wave of hope coming. There's a wave of glory coming. There's a wave coming. And, and how many of you guys know when there's a wave coming, as a, as a surfer, you, I can tell you that you have to start paddling before the wave actually gets there. Yeah. Yeah. That if you wait to start paddling, that if you wait to start paddling, when the wave actually gets to you, it'll be too late. You've got to time it right. If you wait to start actually putting in some effort, when it gets to you, it'll go right under you. And you'll never see the wave break. Paddle into 2019. Paddle into 2019. Get Get some momentum. Get some movement behind you. I just want to wait on the Holy Spirit right now. you guys would stand with me. I just want to wait on the Holy Spirit right now. I just believe he's going to touch some people. He's going to stir up hope for the promise. He's going to stir up some faith right now. And then, I, then I'll pray for you and we'll have some people up here who can pray for you. But right now, I just want to be between you and God. I just want to let, give him a minute to speak to you about what he's already said. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come right now. I pray that you would illuminate the promises, that you would breathe over them now, that you would breathe life over them. You would breathe life over them now, that you would, you would illuminate those things that maybe we have forgotten or lost hold of or that we have grown weary in and are no longer expecting, Father. Come and breathe on those things now, Jesus. I just speak life over them now in Jesus' name. I wake them up right now in Jesus' name. I wake them up now in Jesus' name. We wake them up now, we wake them up now, we just say yes to your promises in our life, God. We say yes to your promises, we say yes to what you've spoken. We say yes to every word you've given, Father. We say we will not settle for anything less than your good and perfect will in our lives. Come Holy Ghost, come Holy Ghost. Come, Holy Ghost. Just pray that we would be a people. Unmoved faith. Unmoved. Unmoved. Prayer team, if you come forward. If you need prayer today, if you have pain in your body, or you're just going through a rough season, or if this word spoke to you, and you just want someone to pray over what God's doing in you right now and into the new year, I would encourage you, don't leave today without getting prayer. But let me pray for you send you on your way. Father, I just thank you for this church. I thank you for every single person under the sound of my voice. I thank you for what you are doing in the lives of your people, Father. And I bless each and every one of them. I bless, Father, the the promises on the inside of your people, the gifts on the inside of your people. I just declare hope arise in that area, that they would go into 2019 full, full of faith, filled with unwavering expectation in your goodness. And I just bless the rest of the day. I pray you would have an amazing week, that you would see the goodness of God revealed in your life this week in an amazing new year. In Jesus' name, everybody said Amen. amen, amen, amen. Give Jesus a hand clap this morning.